Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and today we're going to be joined by some of my good friends. We're going to be joined by the one, the only, ravishing Rudy Campos, uh, one part of the Sports Time. Hey, Rudy, how's it going? You know, man, it's uh, it's going. It's a very long weekend at the barbecue Saturday show yesterday. Just a lot of stuff going on, so I'm kind of glad the weekend's over. Yeah, and happy belated <laughs> Father's Day. Me and both, me and Rudy were both at the Mike Taylor uh, barbecue cook-off for the kids. Met a lot of good people out there. There was a lot of good barbecue to sample. Uh, Rudy's good friends over here, the Bear Bear County Cookers. Uh, they yeah. took second in uh, pulled pork and specialty. So good for them. Yeah, second place pulled pork, second place in specialty. I think we got hose on everything else, but I guess you got to have <laughs> other teams winning. So. Well, we'll let slide. I think we were best in best in the entire competition overall. Yeah, so it was a good. It was a lot of fun out there meeting everybody. Uh, we got to see some Spurs Twitter peeps out there, and got to meet some of the uh, local, you know, celebrities out there as well. So good on the Salvation Army. Good things they're doing out there. Uh, so for the kids, you know, so it was for a good cause. And we're also going to be joined by the new host of the new podcast, Spurs podcast that just came out, the premiere episode. Alamo City Limits, hosted by none other than my friend here, Noah Magarro George. Noah, welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always nice to talk Spurs basketball with you, and it's always nice to have Rudy in here, too. He's he's great <laughs> to talk to, and I'm excited to talk some Spurs basketball. Yeah, and congratulations, by the way, on your premiere episode of Alamo City Limits. So I was listening to it. I got about almost halfway through before we decided to go ahead and record this podcast. So I'm going to listen to it all the way through. But if you have not, make sure you go and you subscribe and you listen to this podcast. It's a great podcast by our good friend here, Noah Magarro George. And in the premiere episode, they were talking about NBA prospects. So make sure you go and take a listen. If uh, we want to be in the know of what's going to be happening as far as picks available for the San Antonio Spurs, because as of this recording, tomorrow is actually going to be the NBA draft lottery. So we're going to see where the Spurs uh, chips will fall. Noah, I think they're projected at this point. They're probably going to wind up getting the 12th pick, but anything can happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see what happens. I feel like last year I was so ready for them to, you know, let's jump into the top four. It didn't happen. But you know what? This year's another year. We can always hold out hope for it, right? Yeah. Always holding out hope. So speaking of holding out hope, Spurs fans, we have some trying news. <laughs> the one <laughs> and only Becky Hammond has made the list of finalists. For the Portland Trailblazers job. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, something that I don't think we all expected, you know, but nonetheless, she is the first female to actually be given this position of becoming a finalist for an NBA head coaching job. Uh, and this one is for the Portland Trailblazers, which are not a bad team. You know, they got Dame Dollar on there and they're looking for some new leadership. And Becky Hammond has served her time here with the San Antonio Spurs, learning from the great Greg Popovich. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, share your share our thoughts on this one. Me, personally, I'll go ahead and uh, let you know my insight. I am kind of would be disappointed if she left, but I'd be really happy for her, you know, because I think, she, like I said, she's put her time in, you know, in, and she's done her time in the trench here. And if, you know, she sees a good fit with another team and she's made the finalists, that means that they were really impressed by her. So, you can't fault her for, for putting her name in the hat. And if she gets selected, she gets selected. And she moves on from the San Antonio Spurs. 
And unfortunately for us, we, we lose a good one in, in Becky Hammond. We'll start with you, Rudy. What do you think? Do you think Becky will get the position with the Portland Trailblazers and become the first female head coach in the NBA? You know, there's there are certain factors you have to you have to look at. Now, obviously, making a splash with Becky Hammond as first female NBA head coach would be huge. But you do have a player in Portland that you've got to worry about, and that being one Damian Lillard. Now, not to say Dame wouldn't be able to play for Becky Hammond. I just think that his ego won't allow him to play for a coach like Becky Hammond. So if she does become the Portland head coach, I would probably expect to see Dame to be moved to another team in the offseason. Right now, I'm going to just say that I really think Chauncey Billups is going to get that job. He's been really, you know, really the assistant coach's bench for a very long time. He's about due for it. Becky is due as well. But I'm, I'm staying true to my guns here and saying that I really think Becky's going to land the Orlando job. I think that is the job that fits her the best. You have a young nucleus. You have a team that's just up and coming. It's perfect fit for her outside of the Spurs. I think Phillips gets the portal job. But if she gets it, hey, more power to her. You cannot be upset. You cannot be upset at all. She is a fantastic coach, and she's being groomed by the absolute best coach in the NBA. Yeah, so with that said, Noah, tell us how you feel. What are your thoughts about Becky Hammond being one of the uh, finalists for the Portland Trailblazers head coaching position? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. Like, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed if she doesn't end up being the San Antonio Spurs next coach after head coach Greg Popovich. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be proud of her if she ends up getting the job. I do think Chauncey Billups is probably going to get the job, but I also think Damian Lillard would probably be okay playing with her. I mean, he's been a pretty big advocate of the WNBA and raising their pay. Um, he, he's obviously he likes watching the games. He talks about the games a lot, but um, I know that he doesn't. He had I cannot remember it off the top of my head, but there was a coach that he wanted to play for in particular. I can't remember who it was. It was not Becky Hammond, um, and, and I do think it probably in, will end up being Chauncey Billups, but. That's probably a good thing for us, right? That means that Becky Hammond stays here and maybe we get to see her be the next of kin for uh, Greg Popovich once he calls it quit. So that's a good thing for Spurs fans. But either way, I'll be really proud of her for whatever ends up happening. Yeah, I think we'll all be uh, very proud of her. But I'm on the assumption, as Rudy said, too, I kind of feel like, you know, as you did as well, Chauncey Billups uh, will probably wind up getting the head coaching position with the Portland Trailblazers. I'm looking for Becky to probably more than likely uh, be the finalist too and you get the head coaching uh, job over with the Orlando Magic. So I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping that Becky will stay here and become the next Spurs head coach because we're all waiting for that. But at the end of the day, you know, if she gets sees an opportunity, she's going to take it. So, you know, you can't falter for that and you wish her the best of luck. And again, we're going to have another uh, product uh, in the in the coaching tree here of Greg Popovich out in the NBA. There's certainly a lot of coaches or assistant coaches that are now head coaches that were a, a product of the one and only Greg Popovich. So that's saying a lot about Spurs organization. So yeah. moving, moving forward here, we're going to actually talk about some NBA basketball. We're going to go ahead and talk about the Suns and Clippers game. I mean, this game was so exciting to watch. And on Father's Day. You know, so I was sitting down and I was watching the game and I was enjoying it. And I got to tell you, one of the things that did surprise me, I think Kawhi Leonard is holding Paul George back. Paul George just looks to play 
so much better without Kawhi in the mix. Like the guy has been solid since Kawhi has not been there uh, on the court. Uh, and Booker, man, Devin Booker is cold. I mean, this kid in the biggest moments, he he was shining bright. I mean, the kid scored, I believe, somewhere in the neighborhood. Of, was it 16 straight points at one point in time? I mean, he was just on fire. And he's one of only, I believe, two Spur, uh, Suns fans, should I say, Suns players, should I say, that scored 40, has a 40-point triple-double, the only other one being the one and only round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley. So Devin Booker scored 40 points and having this triple-double. He was in, in some esteemed company. I, be, I believe he was in the esteemed company of one Oscar Robertson. He was with LeBron James. And I believe another player, I kind of lost who it, the train of thinking of who it was. But I remember seeing the stat on the four-letter network earlier in the day before they started getting uh, off a tangent and just saying stuff for for ratings. <laughs> but I enjoyed the game thoroughly. I, I was, you know, I did not expect this game to be so close. You know, I thought it would kind of be a blowout. I thought the Suns would take care of business sooner. But kudos to the Clippers for hanging tough in there. And not going away. They were the the gnat of the picnic. You know, they would not leave. And it wasn't until they had a botch play uh, in crunch time there where Devin Booker just went and had a wide open slam dunk. And that was pretty much the exclamation mark on this particular game. Uh, let's go ahead and get some of your thoughts. Noah, what did you think about this game? And were you surprised uh, that the Suns actually beat the Clippers? No, I wasn't really surprised that the Suns beat the Clippers. We talked about this last time we were on your podcast, like are, are, were the Suns in trouble? And I didn't really think the Suns were in all that much trouble. I mean, we knew that Kawhi was going to be out, so it was not necessarily a one-for-one one, Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul being out. But I really think that Devin Booker has been outstanding in these playoffs. I mean, like you said, he's in a very exclusive group of players with the stat line that he put up the other night. And I think Paul George was really good, and he has been good without Kawhi Leonard, but I do want to point out that I think he was 10 of 26 in that game, so I think about 38% from the field. So he was really good at the beginning, kind of slowed down towards the end. I do think Paul George is a fantastic player, but at the end of the day, I think if they can get Chris Paul back in the next couple of games, because we're not really sure how long this whole COVID protocol thing is going to last for them, I think that the Suns could probably end up sweeping this series. Oh, wow. That's a bold that's a bold prediction right there. I kind of like that. But I got to compare the two teams. I got to tell you, out of the Suns and the Clippers, it seems to me, you know, looking at the stat line, the Suns had the more balanced scoring attack. You know, you had you had some, you know, the team, the Clippers, they, they scored and they try to do their best as a team, but they're missing Kawhi Leonard. You know, so you had Paul George, who had 34 points. You had Reggie Jackson, who scored 24 points. And the rest of the supporting cast, you had... Boogie Cousins, who who almost fouled out, but he had like five fouls real quick in 12 minutes. He contributed 11 points, and that was about it. You know, other than that, you just had some of your role players contributing buckets here and there. I believe the next highest score was Terrence Mann with nine points, you know. Uh, with the Suns, however, you had Mikal Bridges, who had 14 points, Jay Crowder, 13 points, DeAndre Ayton, 20 points, Devin Booker, 40 points, Cameron Payne, 11 points. Cameron Johnson, 12 points, you know, so it's like there was a really good balanced uh, scoring attack uh, from the from the Suns. The Suns just have, I think, more weapons. You know, they're just playing outstanding team basketball right now. The ball movement is outstanding for them. They trust one another. 
and they just seem to to be gelling really well together. They just outplayed uh, the Clippers. You know, the Clippers, they're not a bad team, but they just seem out of sorts. And it was a game one, so I guess they're just trying to get a feel for each other. So I, I expect the next game to be a little bit more closer. Dare I say, maybe we might even get an overtime thriller. Uh, so, Rudy, why don't you let us know what your thoughts are on this Suns and, and Clippers uh, game and and are you missing Kawhi? I know you miss Kawhi, Rudy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I miss Kawhi. Like you know, I miss you know the flu or something. I definitely don't miss that guy too much. But I don't have you know I don't have any hate towards Kawhi anymore. I was hating him for the first summer that you know he put us through and all that other stuff. But let bygones be bygones. Paul George, he's emerged in the last three games as a legit superstar in these three games for sure. And you're right, maybe Kawhi is holding Paul George back. We don't know. I mean, but I, I don't know what we call him now, Joe. Do you want to call him? I was calling him Pushover P. I've heard, you know, Pandemic P. I've, you know, Pajama Bottoms P. I've heard a lot of different ones. So, well, we'll just stick to Paul George for now. But when you look at the Suns, I made, you know, I made a comment as far as uh, the last uh, Two Shots podcast goes that people were saying, you know, with Chris Paul out, you know, it's going to be tough for the Suns. No. Cameron Payne is that key factor for the Suns. He's holding it down while Chris Paul is out. He and DeAndre Aiden are the absolute keys in this series. If Payne can continue to contribute the way he does, and be in mind, he's a point guard. He only had one turnover, you know, in 29 minutes. For a guy, Cameron Payne, who's not necessarily not a starter, that's very, very good especially against a guy like Patrick Beverly, who's a big old nuisance, you know, went on the court as well. But Devin Booker, what more can you say about this guy? I mean, he's put his time in. He's done all the work. He's done all the hard work. You know, he got mad when you double teamed him in summer, you know, pickup games. But it's proven that this guy works hard offseason. It shows now. He is the Cinderella story, per se, the Snow White of the NBA playoffs right now. Devin Booker is the man, 40 points, you know, what, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. Noah said they're going to win in four. I have a gentleman sweep. The Clippers are going to get one game in here. Give me the Suns in five. So you're thinking the league's going to give them one? (laughs) Yeah, the league's got to give them one. I mean, you don't want them to just blow right through this entire Western Conference like they have. Yeah, but I got to tell you, go small market teams. The Sun, Suns are a small market team, so I'm all for it. You know, even though the, the Suns, they have a lot of conspiracy theories against the San Antonio Spurs dating way back to the, the playoff matchups we had and the hip check with Robert Ori on Steve Nash. So it, it's funny just to go back and see some of the the threads that are out there, you know, on on Reddit and even some of the threads that are out there on, on Twitter, you know, <laughs> these Suns fans. They don't forget, but it's their time to shine right now. So I'm happy uh, for them and their fan base. However, we did see some fighting, uh, some fights break out <laughs> in the stands. It, it's it's become a trend lately, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's never going to end. You know, uh, Suns fans going at each other. You know, going against the the Clippers fans. You know, I mean, what is it? What is it nowadays? I think I think this stuff already was like prevalent and it was already happening. But now with the advent of social media and everybody's so quick to get their phones before they call for security. I, I think it's just, you know, something now that has become the norm. You know what I mean? But it's it's entertaining. Yeah. I mean, some of these fights are better than the celebrity boxing matches, Rudy. I got to be honest with you. 
<laughs> did, did, the, did Clipper fans not take notes of what happens when you fight Sun fans? I mean, the Nugget fans were fighting, and they got, you know, bounced pretty damn quick there. So, yeah, Clipper fans just – and Sun fans, all fans, just chill out already. I mean, and you're right, Joe. Social media, cell phones, that, it's all killed society because now, hey – if I see two guys going, I'm going to see more fans or more phones out than people actually stopping the fight. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's really pathetic, man. I wonder, I wonder if we'll see Noah throwing hands out there if he goes to one of these games. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm, that's the last thing I would want to do ever. I would lose like 99.9% of the fights <laughs> that I could possibly get. Noah, Noah says he's I'm a lover, not, not a fighter. <laughs> So moving on from that weird segment, I just made it weird. I know, Noah, I'm sorry, but we're moving on and we're going to be talking about <laughs> <You're good. laughs> Spurs Twitter. And, you know, the fans, man, I swear, dude, I, I just just when I think that they can't go and, and find something new to argue about, <laughs> they find something new to argue about. And this time they're arguing about Ben Simmons. So. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about this next subject before we dive into that because it got it got crazy. But the Sixers winded up losing a game seven to the Atlanta Hawks yesterday. And it was surprising to me because at one point it looked like the 76ers, and I believe it was like with maybe seven to five minutes left in the game, the Sixers had started putting the clamps down on the Hawks. You could see Trey Young was frustrated. Wasn't able to get his shots off. The 76ers had all but stopped the ball movement that was so prevalent uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks' offense was actually non-existent. It got stagnant. They were doing a lot of isolation plays. Uh, their plays were just breaking down. They were shooting threes with plenty of time left, uh, which was kind of a, a head-scratcher. You know, I'm like, what are you guys doing you need to be a little bit more patient and let the play develop, you know, and kind of move the ball because they were just standing around. But it seems like finally Trey Young started to wake up, came back in, got his team involved again, started knocking down some shots. And so did one Kevin Herter. Who the hell was this guy? Because I just became a Kevin Herter fan yesterday. This kid was amazing, man. He played 40 minutes, 27 points. John Collins had 14 points. Clint Capella, 13 points. Trey Young, 21 points. Danalo Gallinari, 17 points. I just love saying that dude's name. That's like a badass name to say, you know. But the Hawks, man, they pulled up the upset 103 to 96. Who would have saw this coming? And then, oh, man, what was that guy's name? The the former Hawks player, uh, Rudy Josh. What was his name? Josh Smith. Josh Smith. He kind of roasted uh, Doc Rivers uh, in a not-so-nice not way saying, that the guy can't make in-game adjustments. Well, he was—he wasn't wrong, Rudy. I got to be honest with you; he wasn't wrong. But what are your well, first? I mean, Doc Rivers was basically given, you know, his first title with the Celtics. I mean, you had, you know, not prime KG, but I mean, still good enough KG. Yeah, game left. You had he? Paul Pierce at his best. You had Ray Allen was, you know, I, I guess you can't say you're prime Ray Allen, but still at, you know, really, really, really good Ray Allen. You know, Rondo was probably playing his best ball at that time, too. So, I mean, but after that, you've given Rivers all these other teams, and he hasn't done squat with them. Yeah. So what are we to expect, you know, from a Doc Rivers coach team? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I think he's overrated as a coach. I kind of said that before, and I'm going to still stick with that assumption. 
uh, one of the things that really caught the eye of everybody in the NBA was the player, the lack thereof, of one Ben Simmons. You know, you look at Ben Simmons, the guy is getting paid almost, what, 30-something mil a year? And he's mm-hmm. owed a crazy amount of money left on his contract. He's sub- arguably your, your second best player on the team. And he only scored five points. The guy looked scared. He looked shook, afraid to take shots, didn't want to go and get fouled to go to the, the stripe and take a free throw, passed up a wide open dunk. And it, and it translated into absolutely nothing but a blown play. Joel Embiid just looked at him in disgust, you know, as you started hearing the boos uh, from the 76ers fans as they were disgusted by the play of one Ben Simmons. The kid played with no heart. He was just scared, shook out there. I don't know what was going on with him. But obviously, you're getting paid this much money. You got to show up. Noah, <laughs> tell us what is going on with Ben Simmons, man. Well, before I say anything about Ben Simmons, let me talk about Doc Rivers for a second. Um, Doc Rivers all season has coddled Ben Simmons in a way that Brett Brown did not. Um, he didn't encourage him to go outside of his comfort zone. And then when it came playoff time, this guy completely shut down. I think a lot of that is on Doc Rivers. And then they talked about it throughout the season. You know, is he going to be shooting more? Um, is he going to be running more screens or is he going to be standing in the dunker spot? And he was like, well, we're going to let Ben Simmons do what Ben Simmons does, essentially. And then come after this game, right? He says, oh, I don't know if this is the franchise point guard. Things got to change. Like, yeah. to me, he, he not only did he coddle this guy, but then when it was his fault, in my opinion, he threw the guy under the bus. So um, I'm, I'm really not a big fan of the way that Doc Rivers handled the Sixers in terms of Ben Simmons this year. But yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons has a ton of accountability as well. I mean, he didn't play great but i think there's a lot of spurs fans out there who are saying oh ben simmons sucks you know he he can't play worth a whatever um i don't think that's the case i would take him almost over any player on the spurs team right now um he had a bad series but a series does not define you if a series defined you then we could say that david robinson was a choker or that he got outplayed by hakeem Olajuwon. but we know that those narratives are not true so i think people are a little quick to build narratives on players and this dude is what 24 years old so he's as yeah. young as DeJounte Murray, younger than Derek White. But you're telling me that he's done. You know, not you, Joe, but a lot of Spurs <laughs> fans. So to me, I'm not really that worried about Ben Simmons. But I do think I do think he needs a change of scenery. I think so, too. I don't think that he's he's part of a winning culture there with the 76ers. You know, it, it's it's already gotten to the point to where, you know, the 76ers aren't going to win with Ben, ben Simmons. And it, it's about that time that they mutually agree to part ways. There's probably going to be some suitors, but here's the here's the kicker. Now, Spurs fans are divided. There's been a lot of talk amongst Spurs, Spurs Twitter, and it started right after the game. And it was even continuing this morning, and still today it's continuing. You have the faction of fan who wants absolutely nothing to do with Ben Simmons. Then you have the faction of fan who says, hey, I wouldn't be opposed to getting Ben Simmons. And if you say you don't want Ben Simmons on your team, you're a liar. Well, he's a former three-time NBA All-Star kid is under 25 years old, 24 years old right now, still got a lot of game left in him. One of the things that he does great is he's a good defender, you know, and we need somebody to to kind of guard the wing and, and defend out there because that's been another weakness for the San Antonio Spurs. They're not very good defensively, you know, so any players that they can get that can help in that department is always going to be a plus for us. Um, yes, he might not score a lot of buckets, but 
We also have players on the team that don't score a lot of buckets. They're mainly out there to get rebounds or to, to kind of play some type of defense out there on the court. They're not necessarily out there to score buckets. However, maybe his shot could improve. And that's another argument that I heard with one chipping, you know, Chip England that we have. Maybe he could go ahead and work uh, with uh, Ben Simmons and, you know, turn his shot around and, and make the kid, you know, reach his full potential. Either way, it's probably going to be a work in progress. Would I be opposed to getting a Ben Simmons on the San Antonio Spurs squad? I would not, as long as we get him for the right price. I don't think he's worth $30 million a year, you know? So if we can get him at a, a reduced rate, sure. But he's not, you know, a, a player that you're going to wind up giving up a, a Derek White or, or you're going to give up a DeJounte Murray for, you know, uh, along with, you know, two picks or something. That that's That's craziness, you know? But if you can get him at something that's comparable, that makes sense, sure, why not, you know, take a chance on the kid. He's still got a a lot of upside, I believe, in my opinion. So I can see that maybe a change of scenery and also the San Antonio Spurs uh, front office, which is also known as the Spurs Mafia, uh, they will keep keep the media off of this kid, (laughs) you know. So he'd actually, I think, thrive here in San Antonio, a small market, uh, you know, town, and a team that actually cares about their players. I think his change of scenery would do him some good. Rudy, we're going to pitch it to you next. What do you think? What do you what say you? Ben Simmons to the San Antonio Spurs? Yes or no? You know, after seeing everything on Twitter, I'm going to just going to repeat what I said on one of your posts. You know, no matter how many times you polish a turd, it's still a turd. <laughs> and I'm not saying Ben Simmons is complete crap. But for every for every Spurs fan out there, who in the hell is going to score the ball if you add Ben Simmons to this squad? There is no legit score. Ben Simmons will thrive on a team where I said if he goes anywhere, it's got to be a team like Portland, where you can have Dame and CJ on the on the wings and Ben running the point there for those guys. Another team, the Clippers, makes sense for Ben Simmons because you can have Kawhi off the ball, Paul George off the ball. You know, a Golden State Warriors team with Clay and Steph, he needs to be surrounded by shooters because this guy cannot shoot. A career .147% from three-point line. You mean to tell me, and I know Chip England is a god when it comes to shooting, but Chip England would definitely pull his hair out trying to get Ben Simmons to shoot at a higher rate. It's this is this is a tough part. This is thing that people don't see. Supposedly Ben Simmons works out in the off season, and he's going to do it again this off season. He works on his shooting. He works on his game. We haven't seen that shooting part of his game at all, and he's already going to be in the league. What five years already? It's the same old story with Ben Simmons. You cannot shoot the ball. You can come at me like someone did earlier today. Well, neither can Giannis. There's a difference between Giannis and Ben Simmons. Giannis has balls, and he'll go to the basket and dunk it. He'll get to the lane, whatever. Ben Simmons can turn around, be wide open, and still want to get the assist. Who in the hell does that? I mean, you literally were right there to dunk the ball. He has so much, so many things wrong with this game. One guy even said, no matter what, Ben Simmons would go number one in the draft in 2016 when he was drafted. That is total BS, man. You've got a guy who is like Brandon Ingram, who's coming up out of his shell, who's going to be a really, really, really good player. He's going to be a superstar. Who knows yet? 
you know, you've got him. But imagine a Jamal Murray on a Philadelphia 76 team instead of a Ben Simmons. I mean, there's your true point guard. There's a point guard that can score, that can shoot. Yes, nobody knew Ben Simmons was going to be a terrible shooter coming in unless you really got in depth with him. You would have assumed he would have he would have uh, gotten better from his jump for a jump shot. He hasn't yet. So would he come to the Spurs? Great, bring him to the Spurs. But who in the hell is going to score the ball? There's nobody that's a scorer on this team. You can't rely on Derek White to be 20-24 a game. You can't rely on DeJounte to give you 20-24 a game. I mean, what is Ben what you know what you can probably help me with this? What does Bren Simmons bring to the Spurs that makes them legit and say that we don't have DeMar? Because there goes your score. What does he bring to a Spurs team that is not looking for a non-score? Yeah, so with Ben Simmons, I mean, everything's super context-dependent. Like you said, I mean, he's got to be in a good situation, and I don't think the Spurs make sense for him. Like, adding Ben Simmons to a team full of non-shooters doesn't make sense. The Spurs finished last in three-point attempts, three-point makes, and 25th in three-point percentage, and you're going to add a guy like Ben Simmons to that who isn't a go-to scorer, and you're going to probably have to move on from DeMar to get him, right? Like, either through a sign-in trade or whatever the case is to get this guy that's what's what it's probably going to take. So if you want someone who is all NBA defender, he finished second in defensive player of the year voting this year, rightfully so. That's amazing. Defense is great. It's a part of the game. But honestly, in today's NBA, scoring the ball is the name of the game. And the Spurs just don't have anybody, like you said, who reliably can do that night in and night out. And I love Derek White. I love DeJounte Murray. I think Devin Vassell is really solid. I think Keldon Johnson's going to be really solid as well. I like Lonnie Walker. None of those guys have shown that they can do that on a, on a game-to-game basis. And we know that, okay, well, maybe they haven't had the, the opportunity to do that yet. But we also don't know if they can do that, even with when presented with the opportunity. So it just doesn't seem like a great fit to put Ben Simmons here, which is one of the reasons I don't necessarily want to see him here. Now, if he was here, would I be thrilled? Sure. Three-time All-Star, second in Defensive Player of the Year voting. Great. But I don't think that he moves the needle in a way that helps this team. I don't think that this team is anything more than maybe a seventh seed, maybe an eighth seed. And to be 100% honest with y'all, if I'm a Spurs fan out there watching Spurs basketball, just to get a seventh or eighth seed, that's not the goal. You know, we've already got that with DeMar DeRozan, and then we missed the playoffs two years in a row. I'm not interested in watching that. Uh, so it's Ben Simmons crap, like you said, no. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not, but he doesn't make sense for this team, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, if we could get him cheap, you wouldn't be opposed to him coming over here. But what do you consider cheap? Because he's not going to tear up his contract. No, true enough. You know, but I mean, as far as us having to give up assets in order to get him, you know, we still have to to pay him. Like DeJounte is going to probably be the guy, him or Derek are going to be the guy that has to go in return. Oh, you know, this Spurs Twitter will find a way. They're going to say, hey, let's throw Lonnie Walker out there instead or somebody else, you know, that's not going to be a... Something that's going to be sexy if you're going to want to trade, you know, for somebody like Ben Simmons. You're going to have to give up something and it's going to hurt, you know? Okay. I guess let me put this in y'all's head here. If you give up a, say you give up a DeJounte Murray, I mean, because you got, we're just going to give him up. And then you give up a Lonnie Walker. Isn't it in a way, I mean, I know, I know Ben Simmons is an all star and all that. Lonnie hasn't proven anything. But aren't you kind of giving away? the same type of player and just taking on a bigger contract in return. Yeah. I mean, both are athletic guys, both of them can be explosive. 
You know, both of them can play some defense. Lonnie's a better shooter. I mean, it's like you're you're just exchanging contracts. Let me get rid of this, you know, cheap contract here and take on a huge contract because it's like a Harley Davidson. I mean, you're paying for the name. True enough. Yeah. So I, I see what you're saying, Rudy. Uh, final thoughts here. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and end it with you, Noah. What do you say about Ben Simmons and to Spurs fans? You know, like you said, that might necessarily be a great, great fit for the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, and I'm afraid I'm going to piss some Spurs fans off, but um, I don't think you can look at DeJounte Murray and Derek White and Lonnie Walker and Kelvin Johnson and go, well, these guys, you can't get rid of them. You know, they're, they're just, they're too valuable. We don't know what they are. They could all be all-stars. I mean, I say this all the time in any podcast I appear on, but what, what is the likelihood that every single one of those guys is a future all-star, right? Like, almost none. The, the odds of that happening is slim to none. Ben Simmons is already a three-time all-star, second in defensive player of the year voting this year, multiple all-defensive teams. He's 24. His career isn't over. Like I said, I think he's just got to have a change of scenery at this point, but I don't think San Antonio is a great destination. But I do think for Spurs fans, you got to be more realistic. If you can acquire this sort of talent, you know, you've got to take a risk. If you're a front office, you have to take risks in order to make moves in the NBA. To get anywhere in the NBA, you've got to be willing to make a move. And so if he's available for the right price, like you said, then go for it. But I still don't think reg regardless of what price it is, <laughs> this team is just not constructed in a way that is beneficial to Ben Simmons or the Spurs. And there you go. Listen to the voice of reason. Listen to <laughs> Noah and to Rudy. <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, Joe, it's funny because Spurs fans don't realize you want to blow the potentially what we could have is a potential $86 million in cap space. You want to blow that on Ben Simmons? I mean, apparently they do, Rudy. <laughs> no, why? But, but it's typical Spurs Twitter. It's typical Spurs fan. Whenever a superstar says, I'm not happy, we got to go get him. We got to go get him. We got to go get him. Not every player fits the San Antonio Spurs, you know, makeup. They don't. So I look at the cap space. We, I know we're going to have about $58 million coming up in cap space. It's like, I don't want Ben Simmons to take a majority of that. No way would I want that. I would rather hold that off and get somebody else if possible or get two players for the price of one. Well, there you go. So moving on here off this subject, so we can go ahead and start bringing this episode to a close. Uh, I want to go through something that I actually saw on your Twitter Twitter line, uh, Noah, and it was uh, something that you had retweeted from NBA on ESPN, and it was a video of the one and only DeMar DeRozan, and somebody had asked him in passing, uh, they said, name your top three one-on-one -on -one players in the league, and he said, me, me, and me, and he just said it laughingly and just took off, but you got to <laughs> love DeMar DeRozan and his, his humor, you know, so I, I would love, I don't know, how do you feel about DeMar DeRozan. I mean, yes, he's funny. Yes, this this was something that I saw on your Twitter line. But more importantly, I mean, how do you feel about the Spurs if they retain one DeMar DeRozan? I think it would be a massive mistake. I think DeMar DeRozan is a spectacular player. He does a lot of really good things, but he doesn't make sense for the Spurs on this timeline. He's going to be 32 here soon. So you're going to be giving, what, 25, 30 million for a four-year contract for a guy. Most likely, that's probably what he's going to command. Um, for four years. So by the end of it, he'll be 36. So you're telling me he's going to be better at 36 than he is right now when he couldn't lead the Spurs to the playoffs. And granted, they, COVID affected them. Injuries affected them. What about last year? You no, know, last year was pretty much an identical situation. The year before that, it was the seventh seed. 
to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I spent 2,600 words over on Pounding the Rock writing about, you know, what is the case against DeMar and what is the case for DeMar? And I think for DeMar, the best case scenario is a change of scenery because I think he has been consistently cast as the engine of an offense, a guy who can lead you to a championship. And that just is unfair to him. That's not a role he's capable of playing. And he's been asked to play that in Toronto. He's been asked to play that in San Antonio. And I think he would thrive, really. I think he would thrive in a system where he can be the second guy, the third guy. And he can play off of someone else and benefit off of their superstar power, their gravity, their shooting, the rest of the team's makeup. So is DeMar someone I dislike? Absolutely not. I think he's a fantastic human. He's a great father. He's a really, really awesome player. But he, to me, it just doesn't make sense for the Spurs to bring him back and to continue building around a, a player who's not just flawed on the mm-hmm. offensive end, but who is one of the worst defenders <laughs> in the NBA. All right. So same question to you, Rudy. We saw the I'm sure you saw the video of, of DeMar DeRozan, you know, saying it me, me and me when he was asked to name his top three one on one players in the league. Uh, but along with the question that I presented to Noah, would you want to go ahead and retain one DeMar DeRozan, who is a player already at 32 years of age, who has limited range. How do you feel about that? You know, it's tough for me, Joe, because I, I am on the DeMar needs to go somewhere else bandwagon. And I, I really feel like he does. You know, he can be a great asset for another team. He can definitely make a championship contender just that much more better. So it makes perfect sense for him to go to another team you know, you've done your do. You've done your your do well for the Spurs. You've done everything for the Spurs organization. You're a great guy, but I think it's time to win. My problem is: would I have a problem if the Spurs decided to bring him back? I would say no. I wouldn't mind it at all because again, it goes back to you lose Demar Derozan. You don't get anybody in free agency, and are you going to rely on your lottery pick to be that score? I mean. You're talking about a, what a twenty average, twenty game average, uh, per game average person right here. That that's twenty points. I mean, twenty points a, a game where you lose twenty points a game when you're not already scoring in the games. You know, to begin with, it kind of makes sense. And the way the other thing I look at is all these teams, all these contenders that people always oh, going to go here, he's going to go here. A lot of them don't have the cap space to bring him in at the number he wants. So. If you're already a playoff team and a contender, are you going to cut somebody to get a DeMar DeRozan in there? Knowing he's a defensive liability, he'll get you some scoring. But do you really want to mess up that chemistry? I don't know. I mean, the only teams that the only team that makes sense right now is the Knicks, and they're sitting at you know 49 million going into next year, roughly. You know, so they can give him a good amount of money, but. The only other contender, and I say contender very loosely, are your San Antonio Spurs. Maybe the Memphis Grizzlies, they're going to have some cap space. But again, you know, it's like, well, I wouldn't mind if he came back, but I think the market's going to be able to tell if he's going to come back at a discounted rate or not. I mean, that's what's going to really tell. But no, I have no issues with him coming back. We've got to have a scorer somewhere. It's not like we're going to go and get Steph Curry or Clay Thompson to walk into the door for the San Antonio Spurs. We can't do that. But again, it could be where you sign him, and this is where it comes in. You trade him to one of these teams. We so can. I think you're going to see a sign and trade more than likely with DeMar. Yeah. We can't afford a, a Steph Curry, but we might be able to afford a Seth Curry. 
<laughs> oh no, he he bought his way into Philly. There's no way Philly's letting him go. Yeah, I'm just joking with you guys. Uh, <laughs> but moving forward here, you know, the Spurs have some issues that they need to address in this offseason. I think this is a critical juncture uh, for the team, you know, on what they're going what direction they're going to want to go in. They do have some cap space here, but they also have some decisions to make. You know, one of those decisions is going to be, you know, DeMar DeRozan. Another is going to be what's going to happen with uh, Rudy Gay, you know, or even Patty Mills for that matter. What are they going to do? Uh, Spurs fans had put up a scenario that I thought was quite humorous. And they were saying, what if Becky Hammond leaves? What if the Spurs extend uh, Coach Pop? What if they extend DeMar DeRozan and they extend Rudy Gay and Patty Mills? <laughs> and they said they had a, a gif of, of Tony Stark from, from Iron Man with his hands up and it says, boom. And I put if that was if that scenario was to, to play out, it would put St- Spurs Twitter and what I call the purge, you know, so... <laughs> It couldn't. It could happen. It could happen, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, the Spurs have some issues and they need to go ahead and fill those. We do have the upcoming draft lottery that's going to be occurring tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be interesting to us. Uh, any names that you can give us that we need to keep an eye on, Noah, uh, in the upcoming draft? You know, if the Spurs land at 12, I think this is more of a top loaded draft where. Probably the top four guys being Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jalen Suggs. Those are the guys who are the difference makers, the franchise players. Jonathan Kaminga maybe fits into that, but long term. But outside of that, if you're landing in 12, you're just hoping for someone who can come make an impact. And maybe you take an upside swing on someone like Kai Jones from Texas. He had some really incredible flashes there as a defender, as a standstill shooter, as someone who can be even a perimeter defender. He has incredible feet. He's one of the best athletes at that position. He's incredibly flexible. His range... Um, in terms of being able to catch lobs is just insane. And that's something that the Spurs don't really have at the moment. But if I'm being honest with you, there's not really a lot of guys who I look at at 12 and go, that's the answer. Because to me, what the answer probably is for the Spurs is they've got to pick a direction. And I I hate to bring it back to the DeMar DeRozan and Patty Mills and Rudy Gay, but as long as you're kicking the wheels with those guys, your direction is pretty clear that you don't have one, right? You're, you're, the seventh seed, you're the eighth seed, you're barely missing the playoffs and you're consistently picking 20, 18, 15. And to me, uh, of course, you can find a Manu or a Tony or whoever there, right? It's possible. But the likelihood, again, is so, so slim. And the likelihood of getting that at the top of a draft lottery isn't given, but the odds are a lot better. And I, I do find it kind of strange that Spurs fans, you know, they hate losing, I would never want to, you know, we, we avoid the lottery at all costs. Where, where do they think that they got Sean Elliott, David Robinson, Tim Duncan? Um, you know, you're not guaranteed to get that guy. But with the Spurs scouting and their player development, I'd love to see them get a top three pick and develop somebody like that. Because I think that the Spurs are better at identifying and developing talent than almost anybody. So if I'm the Spurs, I'd love to figure out a way to trade up into this draft because I don't think anybody should be untouchable on this roster. Um, but at the same time, I really don't think that that's what they're going to do. But maybe they surprise us. Maybe they do something. Yeah, the Spurs never do nothing sexy in the draft. But who knows? I'm always hopeful that maybe this this, this could be the year, Noah. You know, I'll, I'll always keep that in the back of my head, hoping something will change. But more than likely, we're going to get more of the same. Unless they absolutely see a franchising, a franchise-changing player in this draft that they absolutely have to have. Um, maybe they pull the trigger on that, but I'm, I'm with you on that one. Hope, hope for the best, but you know, just go ahead and set your mindset in 
that it's going to be more of the same again. Uh, so thank you for that, Noah. And I'm going to go ahead and pitch to Rudy here in closing. Rudy, any names that you want to throw out at us? I know that our good friend uh, Benjamin Bornstein uh, of Project Spurs had thrown out a name out there earlier, which is Corey Kispert, and so did Noah on his Alamo City uh, Alamo City Limits podcast as well. A kid is you know six foot seven from Gonzaga, uh, shooting guard, small forward, and he has he's one of the better shooters in this upcoming NBA draft, and he was he was putting his his shooting prowess on display, and he looked quite good. I got to tell you, I like the kid. But again, if he's there at twelve, you probably aren't going to pull the trigger. Maybe he was there, you know, later on in the draft. You know, Spurs have that forty-first pick. He'll probably be gone way before then. But if he's available, might be something to consider. Rudy, any names you want to throw at us? You know, Corey Kispert is actually quietly moving up on draft boards right now. Um, of course, you know, you get shooting. Is he, you know, J.J. Reddick? No, he's not J.J. Reddick coming out of, you know, Gonzaga. But uh, he is definitely a shooter, a shooter that the Spurs definitely could use. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see him there at 12, if they go and get him at 12. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's a senior all four years, you know, played in college basketball. That's something that I know Spurs organizations like to see because it shows maturity when you stay that four years, you know, in college. But, you know, I, I was big and I'm still big on, you know, Zaire Williams. I mean, from Stanford, the, the kid is a, a huge defensive monster. He's a beast. You know, you're talking, a, uh, I think it was a six foot 11 wingspan. I mean, his offensive game isn't there yet. But again, when you have the best, you know, scouts, the best, you know, talent, best coaches in the NBA right now, like Chip England, who can definitely make Zaire a player, a two-way player. I mean, what more would you want him there? I mean, Zaire Williams is big on me. I, I was loving Keon Johnson out of Tennessee as well, but he's already shooting up draft boards into the top 10 right now, so he won't be available. But I also agree with what Noah said. Kai Jones, I mean, that's a guy – He's probably not going to be taken in 12. You know, he's probably around the 15 to 18 range right now on most draft boards. But if you want to take a chance, definitely take a chance on Akai Jones. That, you know, people want John Collins, but, you know, Akai Jones is similar to that. He's a, he's a very lanky guy. He gets up and down the court. He's very, very explosive. Great pickup if they were to get someone like him. But I think with that kind of thing, you may want to trade down for him because you can maybe add an additional pick for Akai Jones. And there you go. You know, great insight from both Noah and from Rudy. So we're going to go ahead and bring this episode to a close. And before we do, Noah, can you tell us about anything you're, you got coming up for the rest of the week about the NBA draft and where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, y'all can follow me at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O on Twitter. You can find my new podcast, Alamo City Limits, pretty much wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, you can also find my writing at Pounding the Rock. And last but not least, I am going to be upping my draft coverage, but mostly in the sense of bringing guests on who are draft experts, who do a lot of scouting, watch a lot of film, are even at the game sometimes onto my podcast to really go in-depth about prospects. So if Spurs fans have any guys who they want to hear about, whether it be Corey Kispert, Kai Jones, Keon Johnson, or Zaire Williams, you know, hit me up and, and, and I definitely will bring people on who know those guys in depth. But uh, thank you so much for bringing me on, Joe. I always have a blast talking with you. Yeah, it's always fun to have you on. And I, I pre appreciate you coming on and giving your time to talk San Antonio Spurs basketball and also NBA basketball. So thank you so much, Noah. And for you, Rudy, what do you all got coming up here on the Sports Time? And where can they follow you on social media? 
Yeah, social media, you can definitely get with me on Twitter. Uh, it's pretty much, I'm active on there a lot. So it's at Sweep the League. Uh, you can catch Sweep the League, the podcast, every Wednesday from 7 to 8. The sports time is every Sunday from 10 to 11. We just got done talking to uh, Brandon Oliver for RCW Wrestling, local wrestling organization, coming back. Wrestling's back in San Antonio. We've uh, got some, we got a Shawnee Lay interview, Bill Land interview that just got posted uh, a few weeks back. So if you want to go back and listen to those, all across podcasting uh, platforms, uh, Apple, with iTunes podcast, uh, Spotify, all the good stuff right there, iHeart podcast, all that. So definitely want to catch all that. You can catch me in Carolina every Sunday, 10 to 11 on the sports time, 9.30 a.m. The Answer, where we have a lot of fun. Joe knows it. He's been a part of it. So, yeah, just catch us there. And I'm, I'm going to rest tonight because I haven't slept in so many <laughs> days. So. Well, poor Rudy was out there at the Mike Taylor uh, barbecue cook-off for the kids. Poor guy was out there at 2 a.m. with his barbecue cooking team lighting the fires. So he got no sleep. <laughs> it, was funny. it was funny because it was, what, 100-plus degrees. And I could have swore I told one of the cooks and said, we're not making bacon, right? Because it smells like it. You know, We're all running around that entire place, three fat guys running around. And it's just like, wow. It smells like bacon getting made here for sure. Yeah, it was not fat person uh, weather out at the cook-off. <laughs> no, I, I think I lost about maybe 10 pounds of sweat, you know? So <laughs> I was glad I had the tent over there with Rudy enjoying some of the shade. But it, it was nice. It was fun to walk around and meet some of the people, a lot of good people, great volunteers out there, great, uh, you know, benefit that they have out there uh, benefiting the kids, you know? Uh, and they work closely with the Salvation Army. So shout out to you, Brad Mayer, and uh, all the volunteers and Mike Taylor. You know, you all put on another great event. Looking forward to seeing what you guys do next year. And it was great to meet the one and only Mike Taylor, the mayor of sports. So shout out to, to Mike Taylor. And you can listen to his show on the Ticket 760 AM and the afternoons. So for Noah McGarrow-George, I'm Joe Garcia. And for also Rudy Campos Jr., or should I also uh, pronounce Ravishing Rudy, Campos Jr., which is his wrestling uh, name as well. Uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace.